This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum from Duke University. Round of the break for the Celtics. Goes around the world. Oh, the circus game in the Boston. Walker for three. Kemba Walker from downtown. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Rebound. Gordon Hayward for two. Gordon Hayward with a corner crash. No block out. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live, and I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe. Nicole, how are you? Pretty good, Tom. How are you? I am good. I just got back from New Hampshire where my wife and I drove to go uh, drive past Ghislaine Maxwell's house <laughs> in uh, Bradford. So we went to go check out Bradford, New Hampshire. Was that literally the sole purpose yes. of the trip? That was the entire reason that we drove to New Hampshire. I was just like... I love that. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see, you know, I want to see. <laughs> like, uh, it would have been a very nice place to live. I will, uh, <laughs> will say that. Um, we're going to talk about a few things today. The Celtics have had a bunch of availabilities again. They're in the uh, bubble now. They're in the bubble. Like, Nicole, when you think about the bubble, what's the first thing um, that jumps to mind? My first takeaway from everything we've heard from the Celtics is that they're not going to be complaining about these conditions. Like Jalen Brown made it very clear. He was like, we've all come from humble beginnings. I'm not in a position to complain. We have more important things to focus on, like winning a championship, social justice. I think we've seen a lot of players on social media sort of blast, I guess, the hotel accommodations, the food, things like that. And I mean, rightfully so. Ennis Cantor was the only one to share a video of his room and he got a lot of replies to it like, oh, Ennis, like you get paid millions of dollars and you're staying there for free and all your meals are covered. And it's like, I don't know. I'm not really bothered by players complaining. Yeah, I'm with you on like not, I don't know, like not like really blaming them or caring. Like, like I do get that it's a little tone deaf to be like, oh, like this hotel room isn't up to, but like I tweeted this the other day, but like, what did you think they thought? Yeah, they're used to a certain level of luxury and they're not going to get that. Like, that's going to be rough. Even aside from all like the justifications and all that, I just don't care. Who cares? Let them complain. I just don't get how people can get so riled up. I know. Like, get riled up over things that, like, actually matter. And, like, right. this, is, this is not one of them. Just let it go, guys. And that's the thing. So, I was Also, Rondo to... calling that hotel room Motel 6 was objectively funny. The one area where I, I would say it's really tone deaf is if you look at, like, what it looked like the WNBA accommodations are. Somebody tweeted out a video of, like, their laundry room, and there was, like, a big rat trap. Like, you could just tell it, it was not, like, a nice spot. You know, if you were a WNBA player or somebody who covers the WNBA and you were saying that this was, like, tone deaf for them to be complaining, then I would agree with you. I would say, yeah, yeah. for sure. No, I agree. But so, 
with the hotels, obviously they're livable. Where I do think that I might have like a little bit more concern is the food. And I don't think we have a full picture yet of what the food situation is going to be because it is so early. But for example, when players arrived, they had like a bag of snacks and in the bag were, let me just read some of them, Velveeta mac and cheese, like the microwavable cups, Skittles, Nature Valley bars, Kind bars, various chocolates, Twix, Kit Kat, Famous Amos's. Starburst, like basically like a lot of candy and junk food. Junk food, yeah. And there was like a banana and things like that. But like, that's just not healthy. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, you have to give NBA players like the best of the best. But like these players do take their diets very seriously. And often it contributes to a higher level of play. That's why a lot of them hire personal chefs. I did a story on Robert Williams this past year about how he cleaned up his diet because he knew he couldn't eat hot Cheetos every night anymore if he wanted to like take his game up another level. So that's where I do think it is sort of a setback. You know what I mean? And that actually could present some problems if this is the case long-term. Again, it's super early. I think that the food situation could very easily be rectified once they get settled and things like that. But just early on seeing what they're eating, I mean, I know they're trying but it's just to not have your personal chef sounds like you're it sounds like that's something where people's reaction would be like playing the smallest of violins you know what I mean but I actually think that's a big deal when it comes to NBA players because like this is their profession like if you and I eat like bags of Doritos we'll be fine in fact most sports writers probably do that but NBA players actually like their intake is important (laughs) absolutely no comment on what uh, my diet usually looks like (laughs) when I check into a hotel room but no, I'm with you 100% on that, actually. I mean, I think the players are kind of making they're, – they're making some sacrifices. I think that it's reasonable if you are taking those risks and you do play for this, you know, multi-billion dollar group that is the NBA, I think asking for some, like, healthy, tasty food is entirely reasonable. Because, again, the whole thing is that they're performing with their bodies. Their bodies need the right kinds of intake. I don't think that's unreasonable at all to like need something other than Snickers and Swedish fish in your, in your welcome bag. You couldn't have done some like blue diamond almonds or something. Like, I don't understand. Exactly. (laughs) And like you said, like nobody has their personal chefs with them anymore. And that's, that's going to throw some things off. I think, I hope that there's a good solution. I hope that the food is, is good down there. I, I think that matters. Former Celtic Isaiah Thomas quote tweeted a picture of the food and I think it was Troy Daniels' meal. And his tweet said, no way, Braun eating this, LOL. (laughs) Which I think is an interesting point. So not every Celtic is staying in the room that Ennis Cantor is staying in, the room that Ennis Cantor showed on Instagram. So three Celtics are staying. They do all have separate rooms. They're not all staying in Ennis Cantor's room. (laughs) LOL. Three Celtics are staying in like nicer suites. They all had their Marriott points up enough to get upgraded to the suite. <laughs> like, for example, Damian Lillard, his, like, boxing coach shared a video of him conducting, like, a virtual boxing workout. And you could see the inside of Damian's room. And it was very clear that the stars, I think, are actually receiving better treatment. I mean, I wonder if it would be, like, a vet rookie thing. Yeah, maybe Marcus Smart, the longest tenured Celtic, gets the nice room. And Romeo and Carson get shuffled off to the single room once they kind of settle in. I mean, I'm sure it'll feel a little bit better that way. But... One takeaway that I had, I've been interested in the conversation around names on the back of the jerseys. A couple of days ago, LeBron James said that he would just wear James on the back of his jersey, that basically none of the messages you know, really resonated with him. Uh, none of the approved messages really resonated with him. I think Anthony Davis said the same thing. 
So guys obviously want to make sure that the Black Lives Matter movement stays in the forefront of the conversation. Um, I'll be curious to see how, you know, LeBron and guys who aren't going to put something on the back of their jersey, even though it's just like league approved messages, I'll be curious to see how they try to kind of center the Black Lives Matter message, just given that they have opted not to not to put something on the back of their jersey. Um, it sounds like Marcus Smart is going to wear freedom. Yeah, I thought Smart's explanation for freedom was really good in that yeah. he acknowledged, he was like, I wanted to choose my own message. I don't know how the league came to the determination of the list of messages, and similar to Jalen, the message he wanted, I matter, seems like a very plausible option. It just doesn't make sense to me why players weren't consulted just to offer their own suggestions because it's not like every player is going to say like, fuck 12 or something, you know what I mean? Right. You can't put on a broadcast or things like that. So that was disappointing. But I think Smart's point was really good in that he was like, look, I get it. This message isn't really going to do much but I still think it's important and it's better than nothing type thing. I'm not going to criticize LeBron for not doing it. I do think though that like it's a more nuanced conversation than people just automatically being like, why would anyone criticize LeBron for not putting a message? Like all those messages are vanilla and like they're not going to do anything. Like I do think there's more to that than just I think it's more complicated than that. So for example, the Toronto Raptors arrived. I don't know if you saw those photos wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. Some of the Indiana Pacers arrived wearing I Can't Breathe shirts. Again, like they're just wearing shirts. The league has worn shirts before and we're still obviously in this situation. So they don't make that big of a difference, but it still matters to players and it still does make some type of statement. The effectiveness of that statement is I think waning because they've done it so many times at this point, but that energy isn't damaging to the movement. And I think that was the crux of Smart's point, which I thought was really well said by him. Like the, the exact quote was, I definitely would have liked to have been able to choose what I put on the back of my jersey, but at the same time, I still want to put something on my jersey. I'm going to put freedom. Like I said, I would have loved to have had the option to choose, but I still want to show that I care for the cause and I still want to keep awareness going and stuff like that. And like you and I have talked before about how these messages, they are not material, but it is an opportunity to keep the conversation going. And that, I mean, that matters. I, I think that means more than just like kind of doing nothing. Like you said, I'm definitely not going to criticize LeBron James. Like he has done a lot. He said that in his statement. He's like, I think people know where I'm at with this. And absolutely they do. So this is not like a criticism of him, but I do think like Smart said, having something on the back of your jersey can make a difference, especially if your stated goal is, is to make sure that sort of the momentum of the moment doesn't go away. Yes, it's more important to have material you know, changes and material improvements to the situation. But in lieu of being able to do that because the Celtics are not Congress, um, I think that like being able to, to say something and, and just sort of draw attention back to it, it's, it's a decent way to go. We'll leave it there for just a second. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. I always enjoy training camp uh, availabilities just because I think it's funny to hear people brag about the young guys constantly and just like talk them up and say like, oh, they're so good. They're doing so well. And, and you always hear guys like praising the thing that the young guy is like known for. So for example, 
um, you know, Rob Williams, Marcus Smart was just like, man, he can, he can get his head to the rim. And it's just, it's just amazing to watch him. And I really feel like the game has slowed down for him. And uh, I'll be curious to see how everybody looks. A couple of people have sort of suggested that because, you know, this kind of feels like a second season, uh, maybe guys are going to come back in sort of second season mode where they're a little more used to things. You know, maybe the game slowed down a little bit for Romeo and Carson and for Grant. It has been funny to have sort of like a mid-season training camp positivity. Yeah, so I don't know if I have been like tricked by that or if this is an accurate conclusion, but... It sounds like Rob has the potential of getting real minutes in the playoffs. I didn't think that was really a possibility, to be honest, heading into the bubble before we heard from them. See, I would argue I think that was always the case because obviously Daniel Tice was always going to start most of these games. And I think that there are just games where Ennis Cantor is not playable. And I, I'm not I, I'm not trying to like dump on Ennis Cantor here. Well, but like, no, no, just no. Like, Marcus Smart today said, no offense to the other guys on our team. It's just Rob is a different type of freak of nature when it comes to athleticism and ability to go and change shots at the rim. So I think Marcus Smart would agree with you. Okay, I see. My audio for Smart was terrible, and I had no idea that that's what he said. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's the thing is, like, there are going to be games where Ennis Cantor defensively is just, like, you can't play him. Teams know that Ennis Cantor can't defend the pick and roll. They know that, like, if they have, like, a talented point guard, they can just pick him apart and get whatever they want offensively. And, you know, the Celtics, oddly enough, don't really face anybody like that. Like, I mean, is Eric Bledsoe going to just destroy you for, like, four straight games? Like, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Josh Richardson is good. I have a hard time seeing Josh Richardson winning a team an entire playoff series. So they get kind of lucky where they don't have to face those kind of guys. Kyle Lowry would be a huge problem. Dennis Cantor's on the floor a lot. Rob is going to have to play. Grant will get some minutes at the center, but he's so undersized at that point. And, like, I think the Celtics are building him up to be a small ball five. But, again, he is a rookie. Rob has some stuff that other people don't offensively he's actually I mean the Celtics have been like quite good when he's on the floor defensively it falls off a cliff a little bit because he still doesn't totally know where to be at all times and think that he does kind of struggle to get down into a stance he Um, just loves jumping so much he does he really loves jumping and it, it look if I could jump the way he could jump it's hard to blame him but yeah he's not going to get destroyed in a basic pick and roll set the way that Ennis Cantor would like he would be he's more likely to get lost on like the back end you know not make the right rotation but at least it's not like the point of attack because when like Ennis gets beat on the point of attack everything breaks down behind him and it's like what are you supposed to do at that point everything is all messed up so that's what Rob would bring right and so smart made a similar point in that yes exactly with Rob then the guards can apply more pressure and their defense is stronger elsewhere as well because they're not covering for a mistake like that for sure. The numbers don't totally bear that out, but I think that it's, it's worth noting somebody like Smart saying that. And like if Marcus Smart feels more comfortable as a defender, the Celtics are in a pretty good position. <laughs> so I'm interested in, in that with Rob. I don't think any of the other guys, young guys, are going to get minutes with the exception of maybe Grant. You noticed today when Brad was praising the rookies, the one rookie he didn't praise was Grant. Yes. And that's I, probably because Grant I is going to play. That. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I thought that his praise of the young guys was, was, was pretty funny. He said, Carson was terrific day one. Didn't say anything about day two, three. Romeo had continuously good moments. Didn't say anything about consistency. And Tremont's been Tremont. Or Tremont's been Tremont. Okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It wasn't like. It's pretty generic phrase. Yeah, he was not effusive. Still three interesting, promising, intriguing young guys who uh, I do not think are going to see the court barring a uh, 20 or 30 point lead in the first round. <laughs> Agreed. 
elsewhere, Kemba Walker is clearly still, I don't know if nursing is the right word, but like dealing with his knee, managing his knee. Um, He didn't practice today on Sunday, but that wasn't like a reactionary thing. Like I think the Celtics have tried to develop a plan that sort of eases him back in. Brad said yesterday that he's definitely going to have a minutes restriction, at least through the seeding games. So I think that goes back to the point, I know we discussed this a couple episodes back, but I don't think the Celtics are going to be actively working towards two. I think it's still possible they get the two spot because of how difficult the Raptors schedule is, but I don't think the Celtics are like gunning for the second seed, if that makes sense. I think they're really focused on making sure Kemba is ready once the playoffs begin. Agreed. I don't think they're gunning for it. I think that there's several factors play into that. I I think that even just beyond Kemba, I don't think they want their guys going super hard right away. I mean, I think they want to ramp up a little bit. You don't want to just come into the seeding games having like scrimmaged a few times and then be like, all right, everybody full tilt, go win a playoff basketball game, basically like that's a recipe for disaster. So, but I will say that like, if they are able to get not big minutes, but at least normal minutes out of Jalen, Jason, Smart, Hayward, those guys can win games without Kemba. The good news for Kemba is you have Marcus Smart behind you. Marcus Smart is a starting point guard in the NBA. Like Kemba's, you know, an all-star starter and missing him is bad. Like you want to have that guy available. You want to be able to play. But it's not a foregone conclusion that the Celtics don't like go on a little bit of a run and play really well during the seeding games just because Kemba's not out there. Like he's a really good player, but they have a really good team around him. And they have point guard. They actually have like really good replacements because they have Smart. Hayward can handle the ball. Brad Wanamaker can come in and give you like really reasonable minutes. Like they're pretty well stocked at that position to a point where I think that they could make some noise, even if Kemba isn't playing. Right. I guess it would depend. Obviously, once we see the first seeding game, especially because that's against the Milwaukee Bucks, if they are going to do like an eight man rotation, it would be against the Bucks, I would imagine. So I guess that'll be a good indication. Like if Brad goes like 10, 11 deep that game and doesn't really play the starters that much, I feel like that would be a good tell for how they're going to approach the rest of the games. For sure. I would agree with that. Um, I did think that it was kind of funny. Jason Tatum says that he's tacked on some muscle. (laughs) Jason Tatum is like built perfectly for basketball because he's got like, you know, long arms. Like he's kind of got like long legs. So he's got these like long strides when he's playing that kind of help him get past people. It would help him if if he could kind of grip the ball a little bit better. Like you can kind of tell that he struggles with that sometimes, but getting a little stronger is going to help with that a lot. Like when I talked to Drew Hanlon earlier this year, like that was something that he said, he was like, look, like Jason's finishing better in part because he's stronger. And I think that that's going to continue to be a goal for him is to just kind of keep bulking up, keep being able to absorb that contact. Yeah, I mean, that's been a talking point since his rookie year. Like, I remember that offseason, everyone was like, so are you bulking up? His strength, I feel like, is just what will take his game to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, I think the interesting thing about him is that he's not a freak athlete. You know, he's, he's very smooth very coordinated, does the right thing a lot, but he's not like so bouncy that he's, you know, he's going to jump over guys or anything like that. So for him to get stronger, he's a good athlete, but not a great one. So for him to get stronger, I think he should be maximizing everything that he can maximize. I did think it was funny. Somebody asked him like, so are you excited to hang out with all your teammates? You think this will build up your chemistry? And he literally was like, well, we ain't got nothing else to do. Not like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm locked in in here with them. So I guess, yeah, I'm super excited. (laughs) Uh, That made me laugh. But no, that was very funny. Um, Um, He already has hit the golf course. Has he? 
Uh, we don't know who with, but he did post a Snapchat from the golf course. So I guess that is the benefit. They had 9 a.m. practice yesterday. So they have basically the whole day. Nice weather. So why not? Um, another quarantine activities I saw on social media that Daniel Tice built a Lego Avenger. Like from a kit or like? Yeah. He, like, okay. No, he didn't. He didn't like self-construct it out of like freehand Legos. Well, these guys have a lot of downtime. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when he did that, I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Like that'll probably last him. I don't know what, like two or three days. And literally 20 minutes later, he posted it was like all done. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten about Legos. And now I'm really excited for my son to get to like good Lego age because he's got like the little blocks. But yeah, like I'm, I'm going to get this kid an X-Wing. It's going to be great. <laughs> that is a good toy, in my opinion. Legos. I already agree. And then Rob started watching How to Get Away with Murder, which I have not seen that show, so I don't know if it's good or bad. It's, it's entertaining. It'll keep him entertained for like a little while. I've seen the first season, and it's like it ends with like a lot of cliffhangers, so it kind of compels you to keep uh, keep going. So it's it's a decent quarantine show. His caption was, "Might as well start watching this shit now." <laughs> uh. Just a truly a man of the people. I feel like so many of us have like started activities during quarantine because we're just like, I guess I might as well do this shit now. <laughs> like, uh, so Rob is watching How to Get Away with Murder. And what else have I seen on social media? Oh, Vincent Poirier played ping pong with Rudy Gobert. Okay. So okay. just waiting for the Donovan Mitchell photo now. You know, that's a good point. So we, we talked earlier about guys that we would see that we thought the Celtics might tamper with in the bubble. And we both said it was going to be Donovan Mitchell because he's friends with everybody. But what we didn't take into account is the French connection between mm. Poirier and Gobert. <laughs> let's uh, but let's be real. There's not room on the roster for both Rudy Gobert and Vincent Poirier. Yeah. <laughs> if Rudy Gobert comes to Boston, Vincent Poirier will Vincent not. Vincent Poirier is uh, <laughs> probably the first one to go. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. <laughs> I will say that if, uh, if Rudy Gobert comes to Boston, he's, al he's already complaining about not having the ball in his hands enough uh, with Donovan Mitchell. Not sure how he would feel about playing with Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, et cetera. Um, <laughs> anyway. All right. So to be completely transparent, this little exercise that we were about to do was inspired by the following tweet from a woman on social media with the handle ugly underscore Anna. I already got invited to the bubble. Yeah, the season definitely ending early. And then the crying emoji. So that has gone viral. And I should say that the very respectable young woman, Ugly Anna, said that it was not Donovan Mitchell who invited her, but she wishes that it was. <laughs> Which, as I believe it was Alexis Morgan pointed out, imagine being the guy who actually invited her. And she's like, man, I wish you were Donovan. <laughs> And she has posted like a screenshot of a conversation with her friend and said, should I delete this? OMG, it's going viral and he might see it. OMG. But then she followed that up with me and him are laughing at this shit right now, reading all the comments crying. So anyway, that sort of inspired us to, at the end of each episode, now that the bubble has started and until it ends, give our rating on the feeling of whether we think this is going to get to the finals and we're going to crown a champion or whether we think it's going to get shut down like any day now. Yeah. So a zero is it's going to get shut down. Like it has been shut down basically. Yeah. yeah like imminently. And 10 is we reach the finals. So Tom, where are you on the scale? All right. So I am at about a six. I still think this is going to happen because barring a superstar getting COVID, they're going to keep this thing trucking along. Like they've already like replacement players, all that stuff. Like I think they're just going to kind of 
keep shuttling this thing along and hope that none of the uh, the top guys get sick. That said, it's a six and not like an eight because I could absolutely see a scenario in which this becomes like untenable. And we're so early too. Like it's it's impossible to predict like how things might look in a month. Like when you think about it, it is really crazy. Like games start in like, games start like this month, July 30. That's like two and a half weeks away. Like so much could happen between now and then. So I think, I still think it's going to happen. I still think that there's enough financial backing behind this to, uh, to kind of keep propelling it along. But I, I'm, I'm not confident and I certainly wouldn't be betting on it. So I'll go with six. I am going to go with an eight. Ooh, okay. Um, I think I'm very optimistic right now just because they've made it. Everybody's there. Practices have started. That being said, like Ugly said, Anna hasn't made it out there yet. <laughs> like you said, it's very early. So next thing you know, we could see tomorrow that a bunch of teams have canceled their practices because of positive tests, things like that. But right now, I don't know. I'm optimistic. Um, of course, like I still have a lot of questions. And I mean, if Ugly Anna makes it down and if a bunch of other girls make it down or if Disney employees start being like traces of it. We don't know what's going to happen, but right now I am going to stay optimistic and give it an eight. If a player tested positive like tomorrow in the bubble, how far would your, uh, would your number drop? One player, I would still probably keep it at an eight. If we got like a mass, like 10 players have tested positive, I would be like, okay, like this isn't really tenable. So this is what the league, I mean, what do I know? But this is what I think the league needs to avoid is 10 players on the same team or like even six players on the same team, because that's what's happened in the MLS tournament is teams have just had to fully drop out because I think one MLS team had nine players test positive, And then the other one had like six or seven. So like once that happens, it's like, okay, yeah, what can you do? One player here, one player there test positive. They can manage. I think I would be a little more shook than that um, because I, I would think that like if one person tests positive, then like there's probably a bunch of asymptomatics that we don't know about. I don't think that the, I think that the league would keep going um, with one person, even with the possibility of a bunch of asymptomatic players, yeah, but, but like the asymptomatic players would get tested too. Um, and they would be tested. Like we that's would true. They would that's true. Positive. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I still would be shaken. I don't have a, <laughs> I don't have like a good reason for it, but if somebody no, tested fair. positive tomorrow, I would drop down to like a two. I'd be like, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> well, um, I think if one player tests positive, that's an indication that there are probably more coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think if one player tests positive, that probably does not mean that, oh, man, the one guy that slipped through the cracks. That's crazy that that happens. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we will leave it there. Again, said this on the last episode, but, and we, we had a couple of people reach out, and we really appreciate you guys. Please reach out to us if you have any suggestions, any ideas, feedback, anything that you want to uh, yell at us about. Whatever is completely fine. Both our DMs are open, at Tom underscore NBA at Nicole C. Yang, and uh, five-star reviews. Leave us a note. We appreciate it. We will talk to you all on Thursday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.